The Space God Memoirs. Episode 1 Who am I? Sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Names come and go. Identities fade along with the bodies that wore them, losing all meaning as they dissolve into the depths of time and space. I won't start at the beginning. I know, it sounds a bit ridiculous not to start at the beginning. But after you've been around in this universe a bit, you'll start to realize that the real beginning is quite a ways off. To be honest, I'm not even sure there is a beginning, or if the way things work is just cycle upon cycle, each one birthing the next and all of it moving forward and back to all ends of infinity. And, well, this just isn't that kind of story. Not yet, at least. So we'll start at some kind of beginning. In my final life on Aruvis, I was just a guy called Kef. Sounds like a funny word, eh? One syllable, rolls right off the tongue. You'd think it'd be short for something like Kefulees, or Kefkazareth the Betrayer. But no, just Kef. No surname to go with it, no fancy titles. Back in those days on that dust bowl of a planet, scroungers like me didn't get last names. No need for them, no time for them. Back then, it's about all I was junk hunter living in the burnt-out ruins of a planet called Aruvis. I had no inkling of the big picture. No idea about any space gods, galactic wars, soul-powered technology, or other absurdities. I was just a clueless yug looking to survive. So there I was, sneaking through a colony of bugmen in search of a sweet hall. I stood overlooking a dusty valley, the orange light of the setting sun upon my back. Below me waited the Vulda Enclave, its organic structures stretched like rubber over the ruins of an ancient refinery, built back before the retribution came and the world went to rot. Ahead of me, at the end of a metal bridge, stood the Enclave's center, a bulb-shaped hive that had been built atop the refinery's central tower. Behind it all rose the spiny, conical rock formations that marked the edge of this valley. To my right stood Rayleigh, my near sister, at that time a scrawny teenage girl, Her mass of curly black hair blew wildly in the valley winds. Her clothes were ratty and covered in dust, much like mine, and her face was getting thin. Neither of us had eaten a decent meal in weeks. Rayleigh looked up at me expectantly. You ready for this, Kef? She asked. Yup, I replied. We get in there, you make a distraction, I grab the battery, we both get out and meet up at Carlick Rock. Rayleigh nodded, lowering her gaze. Guess it's what we gotta do. I could tell she wanted to say more, but didn't. She didn't like this. Neither did I. But neither of us had many options. Just stay behind me and you'll be fine, I said, tossing her my most confident and phony smile and stepping onto the old metal bridge. With each step we took, the rusty platform creaked and groaned. I hoped that the constant winds would muffle the sounds. 
Looking down, I could see several of the Vulda, the bugmen busy rummaging through the piles of scrap metal and ancient tech that lay all around their enclave. Thankfully, none of them looked up as they scampered about on their thin lower limbs, their dark blue carapaces aglow in the sunlight. In several moments that felt like hours, we had crossed the bridge. I stood within the shadow of the hive's entryway, looking into a chamber lit by dim yellow lamps. I ducked in, still keeping to the heavy shadows. Rayleigh slinked silently behind me. Inside, it smelled of metal mixed with a curiously sweet scent I couldn't place. Ahead of us stretched a long chamber, cluttered with crates, barrels, and tables that held ancient engines in various states of repair. One particularly large engine near the room's middle was working, a spherical device with eight pipes extruding from it that let out a constant cacophony of rumbling clatter. Several Vulda were in the room, adjusting the engines or looking over the contents of the boxes. One of the room's residents was not Vulda, but a tall blue-haired boy, Reuven like us, busy moving around those boxes or handing out tools to the others. Was he a slave? I knew all of Scrag about the Vulda. Did they enslave people? Eat them? One glance around this room told me that this was not our goal. But at the far end of the long chamber, another doorway led deeper, into the heart of the hive. This would be the place for a distraction. I nodded to Rayleigh. She crouched low and crept into the room, keeping hidden behind the boxes as she made her way to the big round engine with all those pipes. I kept an eye on my near sister as I too snuck into the room and took the long way around. When I last caught sight of Rayleigh, she had her hands on the spherical engine and was using one of her tools to loosen the screw on its side. Within seconds, she was out of view. Moments later, the engine's clunking sounds transitioned into a metallic shriek, and it began belching out white smoke from all of its pipes. The bugman buzzed with dismay and ran to his sister dying machine. Dug a crap! I heard the Reuven boy shout as he joined them. I used the opportunity to run forward, through the opposite doorway, into the room beyond. Light streamed down from flickering crystal lamps attached to the ceiling, illuminating a chamber of technological oddities. Some of them were identifiable, powered kitchen implements, mechanics tools, or disassembled blaster guns. There were bundles of wires running into glass globes where a mysterious purple energy surged and spun. In the corner stood an entire table of mismatched mechanical limbs. On the far end of the chamber stood a single Vulda, his shelled body turned away from me, his forearms manipulating various buttons and tools as he stared at a lit-up screen, its blurry surface displaying a complex chart that looked like magic to my uneducated mind. The Vulda were known for being notorious hoarders of old tech, and pretty good with machinery. And that's why we were here. Like I said, I was a trash collector myself. Back in that age, even the old junk of Arubus was better than any of the new stuff people came up with. It was a broken planet with a broken culture. A dusty, smelly place that had been driven from the space age right back to the dark age some 300 years back. So there I was, trying to make the best of it. And by that I mean stealing. Hey, I never said I was some noble hero. Just a poor, hungry kid looking for a way to live. And there it was, sitting right upon the central shelf next to a few dinged up robot heads. About as big as my hand, it was a polished cylinder plated in chrome with neon green markings all along its length. One of the old batteries, capable of powering all sorts of ancient pre-rat tech. Not that I had much use for it, but I could barter it away for a month's supply of food for me and Rayleigh. I figured these old bugs had enough to go around anyway. 
I peeked once more at the Vulda, who was still working away at his screen, doing whatever weirdness insectoids like him got up to. I leaned a bit closer to where the battery sat, then reached my hand towards it, grabbed it, and pulled it towards me. Greetings, shouted a crackly voice right next to my face. I jumped backward. Please give instructions, it stated in a monotone. The robot head on the shelf. Its eyes lit up as it looked my way. Please give instructions. Please give instructions. It continued to yammer out that same repeating line. It was then that the Vulda turned around from his screen and looked my way, the antennae in his round little head twitching in surprise. What are you doing here? He buzzed. Scrag and double scrag. I turned around and prepared to run. I only got a few meters when I stopped, a powerful grip on my left shoulder. The bug man stood over me, his claw-like hand tearing through my coat and digging into my flesh. He looked down at me with multifaceted eyes, impossible to read, his mandible mouth producing a loud clicking noise. Stop, thief! He shouted. I quickly realized there was no way a scrawny whelp like me was going to overpower an eight-foot-tall Vulda. But I twisted sideways and heard a loud tearing as his claw ripped through my coat. I felt a scrape my shoulder, too. It stung, but I'd live. Now out of his grasp, I looked back to the entrance I came in from. An insectoid shadow stood in the doorway. I grabbed the battery and ran in the opposite direction, towards another door. I could hear the two bugs behind me, their chitin limbs clattering against the metal floor. Stop! One of them shouted as I dashed out the open doorway. Yet I continued, grabbing the rail of a staircase that descended several floors to the ground below. I hurtled downward, nearly tripping over my own feet several times before I touched the dusty ground. I now stood in the midst of the Vulda Enclave. The sun had nearly set, casting long shadows from heaps of scrap metal and ancient vehicles arranged in rows. Above me, the bug folk were starting to descend the staircase. I didn't give them any time. Instead, I ran into the scrapyard, dodging around the remains of cars that hadn't moved in 300 years. I paused a moment, ducking behind one of them while I caught my breath. I peeked out, surveying the yard ahead of me. In the fading light, I could barely make out the forms of several more of the bugmen, who hadn't yet seen me but were awfully close. From somewhere behind me droned the buzzing of the other two, who were probably alerting their fellows to my presence. Holding the stolen battery close to my chest, I looked desperately for a nearby exit, or at least a place to hide. The first was Big Nope. There was a reason we had taken the high bridge into here. The whole enclave was packed tight into this tiny valley. As for hiding places, there were so many piles of old rubbish, half-intact vehicles, and junked-out machinery to potentially hide behind. None of the non-exposed ones were close enough for me to get to before the bugs got in range. Except... There, the dimly lit yard, I noticed it under its canvas tarp. It was big, vaguely saucer-shaped. Had to be one of the old starships, I told myself. I could see one of its wings gleaming silvery where the tarp didn't quite hang down right. Just looking in its direction, I could feel a curious tingle on the back of my neck. I got that way around the old ships, ever since I was a kid. Telling myself why the scrag not, I made a run for it, as quiet as I could hoping the Vulda hadn't seen me. I lifted the tarp on the ship and exposed the open entry leading into the saucer-shaped hull. I rolled in and let the tarp fall back into place as I plopped my bottom into the padded seat. I finally let out a breath and loosened my grip on the battery. 
Outside, I could still hear the scurrying of the bug people and their occasional shouts in a high-pitched buzzing language. For several more minutes, I waited in silence, until the noises outside died down, assuring me that my pursuers hadn't seen my hiding place. Fine enough place to lay low, I told myself, at least until the bugs forgot about me. I briefly wondered if Rayleigh would be alright waiting for me out there. But the girl was smarter than me, I knew that. She'd find shelter, a hiding place. Rayleigh was a survivor, and I was on a starship. I gave myself a moment to look over my surroundings. This was indeed one of the old ships. It sure took up a lot of space, with two seats up front and room in the back for about ten. I guessed it had been a transport vessel back in the day. It was broken now, of course, but they all were. No ships had flown in the sky since the disaster struck during the retribution, long before I was born. But this one was in pretty good shape, considering. Maybe the Vulda had been working on it. Finally letting go of all the tension of the chase, I took a deep breath and let my thoughts flow around me. I didn't know why, but this felt like a good place for it, for just taking a breath and centering myself. Opening my eyes, I let them drift to the exposed panel, where collections of wires and metal tubes stood naked, many of them unconnected, and many more broken at the ends. Above them, faded lettering read D1-SA. Probably a designation or serial number, but it made me think of a woman's name. Hi, Disa, I whispered, a silly smile coming to my lips. I'm Kef. I immediately felt like an idiot and shut my mouth. Below me, about half the floor was exposed too, revealing a surprisingly simple-looking array of tubes and vents that all led into a circular engine. It was covered in black soot and missing about a third of its outer shell, which was cracked in several places. I turned my gaze to the non-existent window that would have lain in front of the seat, placed my arms fully on the armrests, my hands sliding cleanly into place at their ends, where metallic hand-shaped grooves were indented. I felt oddly comfortable, relaxed, despite the fact that there were bugmen just outside hunting me down. I could imagine this thing working, this relic of a bygone age. I could see myself sitting at the controls and zooming across the stars. I closed my eyes, letting my bottom, sore from days of travel, sink deeper into the chair as my hands pressed firmly into the slots. I looked into darkness, but in that darkness I felt freedom. The freedom to fly away from here, to zoom away from this den of rust, from needs and worries, from tired old Aruvis itself. It was then that I felt something else, the hair on the back of my neck standing up, the semi-electrical surge coursed up my spine. I was being watched, as if something was aware of me, sensing me. It was not sinister, but expectant, like it was waiting for me to do something, or observing my very thoughts. The ship... Was it activating? All the old accounts said that the pre-retribution tech could be activated by thought. Though nobody could actually do that anymore. I forced my eyes open, half expecting to see the front lights glowing with an artificial iridescence, or else to feel the ship hovering mid-air. Nothing of the sort, of course. Just another one of my weird feelings. Pretty much useless. Just like this old clunker. Come on, Disa! I whispered to the inert vessel. If you're alive, give me a sign. Turn on and let's fly the scrag out of here. I spoke with a joking enthusiasm, a faint smile on my lips, which rapidly faded when the ship continued to do nothing. It was broken, after all, just like everything else was broken on this world, from the ruined cities to the people themselves. 
I closed my eyes again, exhaustion drifting over me. Moments later, I jolted awake, an intense rumbling all around. But in truth, I couldn't tell if it was coming from the ship or from me. I was shaking, vibrations surging from my palms, up through my arms and into the rest of my body. There was definitely something in here with me now, and not one of the Volda. It was like a mind had awakened. For a moment, I could feel it beside my own, like another bundle of thoughts and awareness. It wasn't like my mind. No desires of its own, no fears, no sense of identity, but a mind all the same, with a purpose for being. Yet that mind was fragmented, dispersed, scattered, reduced to bits of thought that floated on the edges of my awareness. Nonetheless, I mentally reached out to it, trying to wrap my mind around whatever it was. For an instant, the tarp covering the broken window was gone. All I could see were stars, countless bright stars, zooming by at impossible speeds. The shaking in my body subsided, fading into an energized rush across the edges of my skin. Everything was expanded, like my awareness was spreading outward, as if I was no longer just my body, but also the ship. For just a moment in time, I could feel the controls in front of me, the burnt-out engine below, every frayed wire and dusty nook on the ship like it were my own skin. But just a moment. Then it all fell away, the connection shattering like broken glass. There was a crash like the ship had fallen. Old dust trickled down on me from the ceiling. I slumped back in the seat, stunned and confused. The tarp over the door pulled back. There stood one of the bugmen, peeking his round little head into the ship, his multifaceted eyes gazing down at me with curiosity and wonder. He clicked his mandibles excitedly. It seems we have found our pilot, he buzzed. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.